Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design, episode 261, Get Different. If it sounds familiar, it's because it's the latest title from a guy we love here at Business of Design, Mike McCallowitz. It's all about marketing, and Mike is going to be on the show today and tell us how to get different so we can get attention and get more clients. I love all those gets. And I love this community as well. I'm really glad you're here. I'm Kimberly Selden, an interior design professional who, let's just put it right out there, sucks at marketing. I don't do any marketing for my interior design business almost. And some of you are thinking, oh, bully for you, right? Because I've established myself and I have a really solid client base. But I'm telling you, what I learned talking to Mike is that's a mistake. I am wrong not to market my services. So I'm making a commitment to do a better job and take some of the ideas I learned from Mike and put them to the test. Whenever I talk to Mike, I learn a lot. And one of the things he says in this interview that so resonates with me, it is this. The people who tell you, oh, I love your work. I really love your work. That's wonderful. It feels good. But those clients that invest in you, they hire you, they give you revenue. Those are the most important people in your business. And that's true. You know, when I sort and filter my clients annually by revenue generated It's easy for me to see those clients who have put a high level of trust and value in the services I provide. And then the fact of the matter is most of those clients I like a lot, but occasionally, we talk about this, occasionally there's a client that really isn't a fit. And Mike says he sorts for that as well by dividing that list further into a crush list or a cringe list list. And it's easy to determine which is which. When you see an email or a phone call come in from that client, how do you feel? Do you feel happy and excited that they're phoning you? Or do you feel like, oh, I dread this conversation? I mean, obviously, if there's a problem going on, some challenge on a job site, you're going to dread a conversation even with your best client. But I think you know what I'm saying. So I love that simple metric of cringe or crush list. So I'm very grateful to Mike that he had time for this conversation And by all means, if you want to go ahead and purchase the book because you're excited about the topic and you know Business of Design will incorporate the lessons from this book at a BOD Live upcoming, there's a good plug for membership. If you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? Don't you want to participate with all of us as we figure out how to get different If you don't know Mike, he's the creator of Profit First, which is used by hundreds of thousands of companies across the globe to drive profit. I first met Mike when I read Fix This Next, and I'm not sure how many books he's written, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably at least 10. If you don't know him, you definitely want to get to know him. You can find him at MikeMcCallowitz.com. Go to the show notes. That's too hard to spell. (laughs) You could just click on the link there. Before we hear from Mike... Let's check in with Cheryl Horn. Lots of fun things happening at Business of Design, that's for sure. Well, since you already mentioned BOD Live and membership, I'm going to start there. Um, I actually got an amazing email from a new member, and 
I replied right away asking if I could, you know, use it as a testimonial. I didn't hear back yet, so I'm sort of jumping the gun. I won't use a name, but uh, I got an email saying, woohoo, I have been listening to the BOD podcast for over three years now. Why has it taken me so long to join? Both Kimberly and yourself have been a huge support for me in growing my business, so thank you all the way from Ireland. I look forward to it all and cannot wait for the first BOD Live on the 16th. So that was amazing to receive. The next BOD Live is happening this Wednesday, February 16th at 1 p.m. EST, and we are going to be talking about hourly fees versus flat fees. Should you or shouldn't you switch to flat fees? We get that question a lot. Which contract should I be using? Flat fee or hourly fee? So Kimberly is going to discuss the key differences between Business of Design's hourly fee and flat fee methods, which method you should start with, how to effectively use both, and how to decide which method is right for your business. So that is coming up this Wednesday. So I am very much looking forward to seeing all of our members, but especially meeting some of our new ones at those meetings, which is always fun. So then, of course, the Business of Design Elite Retreat will be here before we know it. That's happening April 28th to May 1st. So tickets are still available. Space is limited. So please check that out if you're planning to join us. Reach out with questions. And then last but not least, BOD Boss kicks off August 1st. And I'm starting to see all these applications roll in, which is really excited. Uh, Team BOD has our work cut out for us with the review process and all of that. So if you're interested, again, head to the website, check out the details, apply as soon as you can, or of course, about any of this, reach out to me with any questions that you have. Enjoy the show, guys. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey there. It won't surprise Business of Design members or longtime listeners to know that we are always looking for suppliers who make our work easier, right? So I'd like to introduce you to Business of Design podcast sponsor, Daniel House Club. Daniel House Club simplifies the business of design. They do that by allowing us to source from over 80 trade vendors while taking advantage of deep discounts and no minimum orders. You can also use your Daniel House Club dashboard to share pieces with clients. And this is amazing. Freight is always 10% and white glove delivery quotes are available nationwide. Customer service is really important to Daniel House Club. They have a concierge who will pick up the phone and answer your questions, help you search for products, help you organize returns, or affect replacements or repair when necessary. Now, how do they know what we need? Well, Daniel House Club started as a design business, so founders Peter and Alexander Spalding have done the hard work of servicing clients, and they really want to help us succeed. BOD listeners, this is where you come in. 
When you go to danielhouse.club during the month of February, you can receive an additional 50% off your Pro or Pro Plus membership using the discount code BODPRO. You can also try them out for free. Get in on the action. And thanks for sponsoring Business of Design. It's great to see you. Kimberly, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding? I was so excited. You attended a BOD Live with us, and we all got super excited about Profit First. Uh, so many of our members were already followers and uh, were telling me I had to get in touch with you, and I'm so happy I did. And then at that meeting, you mentioned you were working on a new book about marketing, which I have to say is the bane of my existence. I, I'm <laughs> terrible at it. I suck at it. And I don't even know if there's hope for me. But when I heard that Get Different was published, I thought, I'm reaching out, and you got to... If, if anyone can help me, it's going to be Mike Michalowicz. I love it. You sound very human. I think marketing is the bane for most of us. Yeah. And aren't you lucky if you don't rely on it, right? Like, I mean, I've been doing it so long. I have a lot of repeat and referral business and I have a TV gig that gets me clients. But, you know, a lot of our listeners are are starting out yeah. or moved to a new city and marketing is life or death. So sure. I want to I hit it from that perspective. Your life depends on getting the message out. I don't even know where to start. Well, let, let, let me start then. I, I would argue, even if you are getting business through referrals, you have a responsibility to market because if if your existing clients are referring you business, they believe in you so much, they're willing to introduce you to their you know, friends and confidants and, and, and take the quote-unquote risk of making that introduction because they believe in you so much. In other words, they're marketing for you. So we got to amplify that. I have a question when I, when I do uh, keynotes around get different marketing, I ask audiences mostly virtual nowadays, but uh, still we'll do some live in the COVID world. And I'll ask, um, are you better than the competition? And what I'm asking people is not in all capacities, but do you care more or do you respond faster? Do you have more thorough service? Are you more knowledgeable in this space? And I would say, 99% 99% of the audience raises their hand that they are better. And I believe that to be unequivocally true. They are better. And listen, if you're listening to this podcast here, you're showing up to learn, you are proving that you're pushing your business forward. And if you are better than the competition, you are a damned responsibility to market. Because if you don't market and the buyer buys from the lesser alternative, that's the buyer's problem, but it's our fault for not marketing. We must market. It's the ultimate act of kindness. Okay, but when when we go out to market, like I think we all agree we have to market, but don't most of us take a scattered approach? Like I'm going to do some social media and I'm going to do a blog and I'm going to do a YouTube channel and I'm going to do a newsletter and I'm going to get some lawn signs. And the end (laughs) result of all of that, Mike, I always feel like I'm just tired. Did I get more business? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What we're doing is we're throwing spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. And uh, we really actually don't even measure what sticks. A lot of marketing is done without a ROI, meaning return on investment, at least an understanding of return investment. It always happens. You are getting a return or not, but there's no measurable in place. So we need to measure. But I think, I think the biggest challenge people have with marketing is we do the same five things. Like everyone does uh, the Facebook ads and the lawn sign and well, everyone else is doing t-shirts. So I guess I should do those too. And social media. Yes. And social media, that will fix everything. Here's the problem. 
if you do the same marketing as your contemporaries and competition, the audience is receiving the same message from multiple people. It becomes highly ignorable. In fact, as I was writing this book, I was studying how our brain operates. And at the base of our brain in the brainstem is a neural net called the reticular formation. It has multiple responsibilities, but its biggest responsibility is to prevent the input of information. It blocks out 99.9 into almost infinity percent of stimuli because it would kill us. If I was I a marker in front of me, if I was paying attention to this marker and immersed in it, I wouldn't show up for the interview. Uh, I may not even drink water or eat food and I would die. So while there's all this stimuli around us, and particularly nowadays, marketing messages around us, we ignore it. And we become habituated, meaning focused on what to ignore, very quickly. I'll give you an example. I don't know, Kimberly, if you've ever got a hey friend email. Have you ever gotten <laughs> one of those? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're snickering. Almost Me never too. from a friend, right? <laughs> right. It's never. The very first hey friend I ever got, it did catch my attention. So what happens is the reticular formation, it opens for three things. Threats, someone's going to hurt me. Opportunity, something that can serve me. And something is unexpected because it has to be evaluated. Is this a new threat or a new opportunity? Or maybe it can be ignored. I got that first hey friend email, I don't know, five or six years ago. I got it. And I'm like, who is this friend? And I'm like, I can only imagine. They're so friendly, they don't even call me by my first name. <laughs> And I start reading through it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's this cheesy, smarmy marketing. My brain, within one email, and yours too, became habituated, meaning it said, the next time a hate friend came in, I know what this means. It's garbage. The hundreds, perhaps thousands have come since, spam, spam, and more into the spam box. That's how quickly our brain operates. And for our consumers, if you offer a superior product or service, and you've responsibly to market to them, if you market in the same Five common ways, whatever the number is, as everyone else, the, the junk email, the, the, the social media, those things, the consumer already is scrolling by or throwing in the recycle bin. We have to disrupt the pattern. We have to be doing something that's unexpected because then the reticular formation lights up our brain and we evaluate it. The key to successful marketing is to get different, hence the, the title. I love it. And I can tell you right now, everything I do in terms of marketing is highly ignorable. Welcome to the family, right? So <laughs> when I look back at my marketing, I was like, oh my God, this is so sad. I spent the money on Facebook ads. I was frustrated with return. And there is a very common lie in, in ignorable marketing. We are told when it's not working, the reason is we're not doing enough of it. Right. So when I was doing those Facebook ads and spending money and it wasn't working, the social media guy said, oh, you just haven't done enough of it yet. Double down. And I did. And I got double down of zero. Like nothing came out of it. I was so frustrated. When I started to do different, and different is actually very easy. One thing is you, or step one, is you look at the existing way that your prospect is being marketed to. Don't do that. So whatever the best practice is for marketing is usually the worst practice to practice. Second is look outside your industry and take some ideas. I call it R&D, which means rip off and duplicate. <laughs> look outside your industry, peel some ideas that haven't been introduced to your prospects before and, and do that. And for them, it'll be the first time they're experiencing it. It'll get your attention. But the last thing is, and, and on the video, because uh, we're doing this via video, but I have a sign behind me that says, be you always. When I've been talking about get different, some people come to me and say, but Mike, I'm not outrageous or silly or goofy. This is not me. And I'm like, oops, 
I, I taught you the lesson incorrectly. It's not about you being someone you're not. In fact, it's an amplification of who you are. So what are your natural idiosyncrasies? Uh, are you super serious? How do we mark in a way that's super serious? Are you the goof? Then we can lean into that, but lean into who you are. And the, why this is important is the more you are you, the more it will automatically get different from everybody else. So inherently, it'll differentiate. But the most important part is it'll bring about congruency. No one knows anything about your business until they do business with you. So the only experience they have is your marketing. And if your marketing is presented one way and it's inconsistent with who or what your business really is, then the customer during that transfer part will say, oh, you, you lied to me. I thought it was going to be this, but it's really that. And that now they're set for disappointment. So be, be the true you throughout the marketing experience and you'll attract clients that are fit for you. And the true for you, the true you, ironically, is different than all of your competition inevitably. Okay, and how is how do we know if we're going too far? Like sometimes, oh boy, I feel like I have a split personality. I am so serious when I'm with clients and I'm new on a project. I'm just like, I'm like a machine. But yeah. in my real life, I'm irreverent and kind of flip. So yeah. which way do I go? So I, I would say irreverent and flip because you said in my real life, like I... I want to consume from the real you. And here's what I suspect without knowing your business, what may happen is those people that expect the hardcore uh, acts of the grindstone may not be people that you really enjoy doing business with. They may be the same way. What happens is we start to have this incongruency with who we are and it actually compromises our ability to give service. Sometimes a core ID pops up for one of those clients and while they pay great money, it's like, oh gosh, do I have to talk with them? All right, put my game face on. That is actually a compromise of our service. Could you imagine people like, oh my God, Kimberly, the real you is here. I love you. And you're like, I love you. It's going to be such a great experience for everyone. I'll give you an example. I was on Facebook, Facebook on Zoom recently. And uh, it was a group meeting. Every day, all day. Every day. Yeah, recently, <laughs> aka five minutes ago. I was on there and like six or seven people popped on and they all had their cameras off at the moment. So it was their pictures that were popping up. I remember looking at this one picture and I was like, God, this woman is way younger than I expected. Just, just for the context of the meeting, I didn't expect someone that was like a teenager here. I thought it was going to be people that are a little bit older. Then she turned her camera on. And I was like, you just, you just aged 30 years in one click. And listen, I guess she was just doing, that was a favorite picture from when she was like a prepubescent or something, but I get it. That was her favorite picture, but there's an incongruency. So the consumer, there's distrust. I'm like, oh, that's not who you really are. And now you set the experience to be, who are you really? Which is a bad scenario to be in. I would, and she's an extraordinary person. She presents so well, put the real you out there from get, from the get go. And then when people experience you, you don't have to put on a facade. It's the real you. And you're going to just kick butt because you don't have to fake anything. Right. Okay. Are you, are you also going to recommend to us that we, in, we get different in terms of where we are putting our marketing energy. So it's not just about the message in the marketing, but for example, I, I'm dead serious about interior design and I'm also dead serious about tequila. I love tequila and I can't help myself from posting sometimes about tequila. So should I be advertising in a tequila magazine to find my ideal client? Is that different? That's different. Yeah. So, so you can do what's called the medium or method. 
So the method is what we've been talking about is changing things up. So if everyone sends out a, uh, a, a gift basket saying, you know, we can do interior design for you. If you send out a, a tequila basket, that's a different method. And since everyone else is receiving gift baskets, that will open their eyes. Now, uh, there's also a different medium. A medium is the platform. And there's there's about 20 categories. So a couple of them could be social media, of course, uh, could be email marketing, but it could be billboards. Uh, it could be magazines and so forth. What we have to look at when we're looking at mediums is, is there a concentration, I call them congregation points, of our target audience there? So you love tequila, but does does the people that you're targeting also have to love tequila? They can share similar values, irreverent, fun, but maybe they're like, I'm a vodka gal, you know, or, or I'm a, I'm a bourbon guy or whatever. Um, if, if, if they're not congregating that spot, don't market there. So the question of course is, then how do you find congregation points? Could happy you asked, here's what you do. <laughs> ask, ask your best clients that you currently have the ones who there is not just a financial win for you, but there's an emotional connection. I, I, I follow a real simple script. I sort my clients all my clients every year by revenue. The more revenue they generate from me, they're demonstrating through their action that they value me. Basically, people speak the truth not through their words, but through their wallets. People can say, oh, I love your service, but never use you. They're wonderful, but they're not a good fit. But there's a second column. So I sort them by their spend. But I also put what I call the crusher cringe factor. Do I love dealing with this business? I put a smiley face, or are they not really a joy? Then I put a frowny face. It's that caller ID test. You know, when it pops up, are you excited or not? And what I found is sometimes even the number one or two revenue customer is not my true best customer. It's the intersection of the highest revenue, demonstrating through their actions they value us, and a crush are the ones I want to clone. Now, once I identify that customer, I call them, and I'll identify the top 10% of the best customers and say, hey, tell me about your interests. Where do you hang out? Where do you get information? Oh, you subscribe to Tequila Magazine? Oh, you do too? If I find out everyone's subscribed to Tequila Magazine, I am going in. I'm going to test that out. I'm going to market to that community. But they say, oh, you know what I do is uh, we're, we're all part of the, the local community pools, you know, the, the club or whatever like that. Okay, that's where I need to have my marketing presence. So find out where your best customer's going because birds of a feather flock together and then concentrate your marketing in that area. I love that. I can see every single one of us making a crush and cringe list as they're, you know, pull it, pulling aside, you know, if you're driving in the car, pull, pull aside to make that list. Don't do it while you're driving. Oh my gosh. Okay. Everyone needs to get the book, get different. How do we find it? So, uh, the shortcut to get there is to go to go get different.com. So go, go get different.com. And the reason why I say it's a shortcut is there is on that site. Uh, I have now 60 meets 70 different marketing ideas that's available totally free. Yes, you do have to download it, but totally free. So you can get that within seconds. And these are different experiments you can try out. Uh, we, we, we did an experiment with an invisible ink email. Like you literally send an email that you can't read until you drag over it and it reveals the message. All these little simple ideas. And what I want to inspire people to do is just to start experimenting. Don't, don't go all in and say, it's that tequila magazine. Let's spend my entire budget on this. No, no. What can we do in small incremental tests that prove out something's working or not? Then once you have that, um, there's also information about the book itself, the, the framework and structure, all available at gogetdifferent.com. Ooh, I think we need a BOD Live where we all workshop this together as a group. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I love getting a large group of people together and then demonstrating. I actually did this with therapists. We did a call. There was about 150 therapists on there and some of them courageously stepped forward virtually. And we did some experiments and one business uh, in particular, her name was Ernestina Perez. We transformed her business from a single therapist operation to 10 therapists now within one year with one marketing technique. I can share a story if, if we do that, um, but that would be, that would be a blast. That is incredible. I'm just kind of imagining therapists marketing like that is crazy. So that's totally the wrong word, the right word, the wrong word. <laughs> I should say kooky or wild or mad. Well, that was the key, right? So just a real quick uh, vignette around this is it's very difficult to market because you have uh confidentiality requirements and so forth. You can't talk about your patients. That's not permitted. So what we did is how do we demonstrate her skills in a different way uh, without showing any of our clients? And she did what's called a reaction video series. We found these videos of, of couples uh, and she was targeting also the Latinx community. That's where her birds of a feather were flocking together. There's these TV shows, one's called the nine day fiance it is trash. Oh my God. And I love I totally it. I watched, I don't know, like it's, 30 episodes. Oh, you've seen it. It's total trash yeah. and I totally love it. Yeah, um, absolutely. She was giving feedback on this show. And here's the interesting thing. It wasn't, she's not outrageous. She's not goofy. She is super serious. And so now you have someone that puts on a serious decorum reacting to these crazy videos and saying how it could help in therapy, what, what therapy could do to solve this. She's giving therapeutic recommendations. As a result, those videos went viral for her. Now, viral doesn't mean millions of people watched it. It was about 2,000 people per video, which was a big deal because it was 2,000 people in her community. She landed with one video in one week. It was 30 prospects when that was her average on a yearly basis. Wow. It has transformed her business. And the funny thing is she's not even comfortable doing these things because because the, the shows are outrageous, but she feels very comfortable leaning into who she is serious, pragmatic. And you see that in these videos and people who are serious and want someone who's pragmatic are, are hiring her. That is just, my mind is going in a thousand directions. I am so excited to start thinking about this in a new way and uh, leave beside all the ubiquitous stuff we've been trying to do and doing badly. Yeah, It's just not working and it's not, it's not worth our time. Good. Yeah, no, good for you. And then that's where it starts. Marketing differently starts with allowing our brains just to open up. I would just give one piece of warning is don't start closing it down. Don't say, well, you know, I can't, or I shouldn't just let that a mental vomit come out. Then let's cherry pick things. When we cherry pick things again, it's not an all in bet. Let's experiment. Many people go into marketing plans. A plan means a commitment. An experiment means a learning venture. It may work. It may not. Let's experiment at a low level, find what works and we lean into it, but, but let the ideas out. We need them. Well, you clearly hit on the other thing that happens, right? We don't measure the results because we're busy working. We're busy off, in our case, we're servicing the next client, the next project, the next marble slab that didn't arrive. And so <laughs> I never have time to go back. I never make time to go back and see, did that experiment in marketing work or fail? And I just double down. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, you keep on pointing to the very human elements of how we behave. I, I do the exact same thing until I implemented keys. That's a way to measure live and dynamic. So I'll give you an example of a key that you've probably experienced before. You listen to a radio show and the DJ says, you know, tell them that Suzanne sent you as you call the 800 number. When you call the 800 number and say, Suzanne sent me, 
That is a key. They say, oh, radio station 99.4 is sending people. If you call in and say, Joe sent me, that's a different radio station. That's a keying technique. They're determining what is working. Well, we need to implement this in our business. Whenever we market, have a unique maybe extension if it's a number they're calling that's distinct to that marketing piece. Or if they're responding via email and say, you know, email us, have multiple emails set to, for each marketing piece. One that says schedule one at you know your account and then next one says schedule two, but have each marketing piece keyed. Then you're gonna get live real-time feedback to see what marketing is working well or not. And then you can lean into what's working and improve or abandon what's not. All right, no magic wand, but certainly shortcut is what I'm hearing, a shortcut to success. So, totally. So, yeah, right. There's, there is no magic wand. And I, you know, we all know that. We don't, we don't want to believe that. I didn't want to believe it. <laughs> you know, th- this is something that requires persistence. So you you got to stick with it, and it's constant experimentation. You know, we're doing this with over a video. Over my right shoulder is a tree, a bookshelf tree. That was a piece of a marketing experiment. It took about a year to find this thing. And it's only going to last for a certain period of time. But here's what's interesting. I looked at my contemporaries and said, what's the best practice when you're an author dude in presenting books? And everyone has the bookcase with their book prominently displayed. I said, I get it, but it's so ignorable because our minds, the consumer, become habituated. There's yet another bookshelf. So I started experimenting. I realized that when I changed the bookshelf in the chat, that was my key, people would start saying, oh, that's a cool bookshelf behind him, or what is that? And then I finally figured out the tree, because it kind of goes as a tree of knowledge with books placed in it, invoked the most chat. People are like, oh my God, check out that tree with books in it. And then what books are those? And oh, this guy writes lots of books. And there's discussions in the chat about the books. And I was like, okay, we found it. Then I went in with it. Oh my gosh. Okay, Mike, we're all going to rush out and get different. We will schedule a BOD live and figure out how we can workshop this all together and share what we've learned and still be different in method and medium. That sounds really good. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing the best for everyone. And I just want to remind the person listening in right now, you have a responsibility to market. If you are offering something of value, something superior to alternatives, damn it market because it is kind. It's the only way people are going to find what's good for them. That's a great place to end. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today 